you are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Friday, May 27th, and another great episode here uh, for you guys today. We got a lot of news, um, you know, out of the NFL, a little Steelers hire for a GM. Um, a little bit. So, um, what, what, Omar Khan, is that, is that my, my saying Omar Khan, right? yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Kevin Colbert has spoke very highly of him. He was the um, the guy standing next to Big Ben in between Big Ben and Aaron Smith in the, in the one Batman movie that was shot in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, clearly he's a hero. He's got the he's the hero that we need. Yep. Um, he's just made for Hollywood. So I mean, come on now, Pittsburgh Steelers are, are they're one of the they're one of the top franchises. Oh. They are maybe not the Hollywood of, of the NFL, but they're up there. They're up there. He can handle the spotlight. Either way, it's Luke and Tim. Another episode of the issue here. We're gonna get hits and misses in the first segment, like we always do. Uh, Tim will have a rant to close out the first segment, and then we're gonna have a little bit of a Tua rant in the second segment. Kind of, uh, kind of Tua Miami related. Right. Um, I think they're gonna. They're going to have a tough decision after the season. We'll, we'll get into why. We'll get into why. But um, Then we're going to have um, our top star. So we're going to be predicting when the rookies are going to be starting. So uh, I think I think we, we're predicting, I'll tell you right now, we, we, we think four rookies are going to start at some point this year. Yes. I don't even know how many we're drafting. I think like six or seven. We think Pickett's going to start. Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, we're going to tell you when they will actually get to start. And then to uh, to close it off, we'll have an up-down sideways on God, I love an up-down sideways on teams post-schedule release and how they're kind of trending coming into the season and into the preseason with right, everything. Right, because you'll get some teams if they're young or have a new coach or something like that. If they have a rough start to their schedule, right, with a new coach, new offensive line, something like that, maybe new quarterback, right? Yeah, it can affect you know how we think they'll do, right? If they have a late buy, a team that might be a little bit older has a late buy. I, they're going to be banged up by then, right? So got to take a lot of things into account. So a little up-down sideways schedule release edition. Yeah, and that will be our show for today. So, guys, make sure you're going, you're subscribing on YouTube, you're following on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you watch or listen. Uh, you can watch on Spotify as well as YouTube, and then uh, the audio version is available everywhere else. I will uh, say the, so sp- the Spotify is just so clean. Being able it's to watch so on Spotify is perfect. And uh, – Keep an eye on that featured page because the issue might be making an appearance there within the next couple of weeks. Um, So just watching that as we go. But without further ado, let's get into some hits and misses. All right, so hit number one. I said um, that the Penguins' first priority this offseason should be Brian Rust. I said if Crosby is who you're going to not even build around because they've been building around him, but if if that's who you're going to roll with for the last, I don't know, probably four or five years of his career, I think he's got three good ones, two average ones left in his career. I said, if that's who, if that's who you're going to rock with, let's make him comfortable. So Brian Rust on the top line is, I mean, Gensel, Rust, and Sid, that's a really good top line. I think you should keep them together. He should have been priority number one. I said I'd slightly overpay for him. And they did, but only by about a half million a year. I said, I said if the market's $5 million, I'd pay him six or seven. We're only paying him about five and a half a year. Yeah. Not bad at all. They did a really good um, job on that deal. I, I don't know if I want to say it's a steal. I think it's a little bit of a steal. I think we got him at a, at a bit of a discount. I think the value he brings to the team is worth a little more than we're paying him. But, I mean, round of applause to the Browns GM applause. right there. I mean, 
that's the best thing you could do because now that frees up a couple extra million dollars for you to maybe negotiate about a hometown discount with Latang or Amalkin if you want to try to keep one of them or if you want to move on I understand but at least you have some more money to play with now whether that's signing a free agent whether that's trying to re-sign your current re-sign your current free agents um I I like the deal for Pittsburgh I think it was really good yeah no I agree I think Rusty was the number one target and they got him all right miss number one here um so Tyler Bursa came on the show he predicted the Blues were like a dark horse team to kind of make a run in these playoffs sorry Tyler Sorry, Tyler, that is a miss. Even though you're not one of us, we could still include you in hits and misses. You're, you're, he, said you're, it on, he said it on the show. It's, it's on, on the show, it's it, hit. It counts. Um, well, that one was a miss. Well, but, yeah, uh, yeah. And then I called the Flames, who are on the verge of elimination. I think they're down either 3-2 or 3-1 even. I don't even think they got eliminated yet. Um, but either way, anything can happen in playoff hockey. Both of us were wrong. And I will say, I did say the Flames were a dark horse pick. I, I, I didn't come out and be like, oh, they should be the favorite. They're head and shoulders. I think Edmonton's a better team. Yeah. I just thought Calgary, they play really, really fast. Their goaltender kind of had a little bit of a hot streak. I said, I wouldn't be surprised um, if they made a little bit of a run. They're not going to, I don't think. It looks like they'll lose to Edmonton. I said, again, not a shock. And it looks like the Blues will lose to the Avalanche, who should probably be, probably be the favorite. Both and of those. They did lose to the Avalanche last night. Avalanche, right? right. Yeah, that, yeah that, that series is completely over. The Blues are, are definitely eliminated. Yeah. Um, right, hit number two. I've been saying it for a year plus now. I, I think since the start of the show, I said Matt Wood and Josh Johnson are going to tear it up at the at the collegiate level. Right? Um, JJ Josh Johnson was waiting kind of for his opportunity. Right, laying in the weeds a little bit, getting better. He had a couple pinch hit abs last year. Burst onto the scene. He now he got second team All Mac for outfield. Um, and then Matt Wood, who just hit a massive three-run bomb um, in the opening game against Iowa, their opening day upset in the Big Ten tournament. We talked to him about that in the interview. Hit a three-run bomb that ended up being the difference maker. They won 5-2. What do you know? That that three-run bomb put them up to five runs. Um, so you could say game-winning. He was also first-team All-Big Ten, making a run at Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, we've been saying it now. Might be a little biased. But are we wrong? Um, no, we're no, not we're wrong. Not. No, we're not. Um, and maybe, sure, a little bit biased. We love Matt. And if you haven't checked out the episode that we posted on, on Monday, go check that out, our exclusive interview that we had with Matt. Um, right, we've had fantastic the- 30 minutes, by the way. Oh, my you, God. You guys would love it, so go look at that. Send it to somebody. He is obviously the most talented catcher, I would say, in, in college baseball right now. I think so as well. A- and I really don't think it's all that close. What he can do offensively as a catcher is insanely special and plus the value of somebody that hits from the left side but is a righty and can catch like that yep oh, and come and, on now and the defensive prowess that he has i mean he had a run and then three rbi he accounted for four of the runs um in in today or well i guess by the time you're listening to this yesterday's victory in the opening game against iowa the upset so really really solid player and like i said jj getting all second team mac oh. congratulations to both of them all right miss number two here I've kind of always held the the Niners in like a pretty high regard, right? I mean, they've generally been a pretty good organization, but I don't really understand what they're doing with Trey Lance and Jimmy G. I just don't get it. Um, so here here's the here's the rundown. If you, if you're not familiar with the situation, they can save a lot of money by getting Jimmy G off the roster, which would result in more cap space to surround the young quarterback with more help, considering he's only made like two starts in his NFL career. You might want to get him some help. Yeah, and you can clear a lot of cap space to get him help by moving Jimmy G. Well, they still haven't dealt Jimmy G. They still haven't cut him, nothing. And here's what that tells me. One of two things. Either San Francisco doesn't like what they see with Trey Lance, and they think Jimmy G would be valuable because they they think he might end up starting again because they don't like what they see with Trey Lance. Or 
They have no clue what they're doing, and they're, and they're just waiting around. I don't know what it is, because San Francisco has generally been a good organization. So I want to think that they're, oh, they might be doing the right thing. But also, if Jimmy G is not the future, let's, let's rip the band-aid off. Let's move on. Right? If Trey Lance is that guy, you moved up in the draft, you give up a ton of draft capital for him. If he's the guy, commit to it. Commit to it. Give him some help. At least give him a shot. Right? I don't understand. We know what Jimmy G is. Why, why are we still playing this game? I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand. It's time to go all in on Trey Lance. Yeah, you have to. All right, hit number three here. I've coined the phrase, the Browns are going to brown. Um, and Well, it seems like they always do. First off, Deshaun Watson. I love him. Great player. Certainly better than Baker Mayfield. But is he like $230 million all guaranteed good? No. I mean, I mean look, he's, he's never won a Super Bowl. Never even been to a Super Bowl. I think he's won, what, maybe one playoff game? I mean, let's not act like Houston. I know that overall they're not a completely well-run organization, but let's not act like they were devoid of talent. He had J.J. Watt in J.J. Watt's prime. He had DeAndre Hopkins to throw to at some point. Um, I mean, that was a B-plus roster and a really nice, solid head coach of Bill O'Brien. Like, oh, yeah. Bill O'Brien won the division, I think, like seven, seven or eight straight years. Yeah. At one point with, like, Tom Savage as the quarterback. Um, so let's not act like Bill O'Brien's some, some dude off the street. Right? He's a solid coach. And um, not only do you fully guarantee that salary, he might not even play this year. I mean, reports are that the the suspension could range anywhere from 8 to 17 games. He's either going to be out for half or the entire NFL season. And you just gave up a bunch of draft capital, and you're now paying him $230 million guaranteed. He might not even play the first season. Oh, and by the way, to make matters worse, you still have a toxic, not good, relatively expensive Baker Mayfield on your roster for $18 million this year. For him to either A, ride the pine... Or B, for you to end up absorbing some of that salary for him to play for another team. Nice job. Nice job because you stupidly picked up a fifth-year option on a guy as if you needed to see another year of him to know what he was. You know, I don't, I don't it, understand it. If it's not the players that are going to Brown, it's it's the front office and the and the organization it, overall in Cleveland. I mean, they, they never cease to amaze me. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. First of all, I don't understand why you picked up the option in the first place. I just don't get it. I mean, we saw what we needed to with Baker Mayfield after two seasons at the maximum. Two, three yeah. seasons. All right, miss number three here real quick. The Steelers with Kenny Pickett. Um, I think he needs to be the day one starter. Now, granted, it's early, but he's right now number three on the depth chart. I like that he has to earn his way up, but I want him starting day one, period. Yeah. He's, if, he, if we sit him this year and he's 25 by the time he starts an NFL game, I don't think you've gained anything. I think you want the experience plus... If you play him this year and he stinks, boom, you got a really, really good quarterback class next year. Yeah, don't miss that opportunity. Right, and if you sit him and you say, we're going to roll with him the following year, then you miss the opportunity of that really good draft class. Um, if we have the potential for the next quarterback, we don't need Mitch Trubisky as the bridge. He bridges you to the next quarterback. We already have the next quarterback. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I'm really, really hoping that he starts um, week number one. <clears throat> well, that is it for hits and misses here. Um, we're going to end up transitioning here. Let's transition into a little bit of Dallas. Um, I, I'm a little concerned with Dallas. Maybe worried's not even not even the right term. Because I, I don't even really like Dallas. So I'm not worried about their success. But uh, I have some concerns with how they're viewed, I guess I would say. Ten and a half, they're over-under, favored to win the division. For me, it always comes back to Dak. Right? Like, like he'll be compared against Kirk Cousins and... And, and Carson Wentz, because they came in, they were in the same division together for a long time. Now Wentz is back in the division. Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, guys like that, right? So let's just let's just play a little game here. Put a graphic up right here. Um, of, of two quarterbacks. All right, we're going to show you Dak's numbers here. 
to, to 220 yards. Um, this is per game, right? Because all these all these quarterbacks that we're going to compare to have different numbers of games played, so total total stats aren't going to work. So we'll go per game, 220 yards, uh, 1.34 touchdowns, about a half pick a game, rating of 93. Now this is without Amari Cooper because that is the Dak Prescott that we are going to be getting going forward. Amari's in Amari's in Cleveland, right? So we're going to get it. Uh, Amari Cooper list Dak Prescott. These are his stats right here per game. Now let's look at the other quarterback. I will not tell you his name. But let's go through. Let's see. 281 yards a game, 1.72 touchdowns per game. A little bit more on the interceptions, 0.66 interceptions per game, and a pass rating of 98.6. Who is that guy? He's a little bit better. That's Matt Ryan. That's Matt Ryan's number since 2016. We're going since 2016 because that's when Dak started playing. What do you know? Matt Ryan since then is a better quarterback. Let's go to the next guy. Let's go to the next guy. So, again, we'll see Dak's numbers here, 220, 1.34. What do you see right there? For those of you watching, listening, I already ran through them. 220, 1.34, 0.56 interceptions, 93 pass rating. This is without Amari Cooper. Here's here's the next quarterback. 240 yards per game, 1.65 touchdowns, 0.67, and a rating slightly lower at 90.1. Who's that guy? Well, that's Carson Wentz. Which is a slightly worse quarterback, right? But he'll give you more touchdowns. A little more risky because he's going he's gonna to turn the ball over a little bit more. Going to give you more production in yards. Going to give you more touchdowns. Learn, live with the risk, right? Three points lower on the rating. Live with that. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Again, Dak's there. Let's go to the next guy, because this, this one's going to surprise you. 253 yards a game, 1.49 touchdowns. You might be able to guess just based off the interceptions. 1.13 interceptions per game since 2016. And a pass rating of about, about 89, 88.7. That's Jameis Winston. You're telling me Dak is, is about four ticks higher in pass rating than Jameis Winston. I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's keep going. Again, Dak's numbers. This next quarterback, 257 yards, 1.47 touchdowns per game, 0.63 interceptions per game, and a 95.5 pass rating. Who might that be? That is my man, Derek Carr. That's right, Derek Carr's wow. a better quarterback than Dak Prescott without Amari Cooper. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't guess it based on the salary that he's going to make. You, you wouldn't guess it based on all the hype. Let's, let's keep going. This is fun. Again, Dax numbers. Next quarterback, two hundred twenty-four yards per game. One point three five touchdowns, about the same. A little more on the ints. Point seven three in the int department per game. Pass rating of ninety-nine, though. Probably a little bit more efficient. Well, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, and by the way, he's been to a Super Bowl and another NFC Championship game. And. And he's not going to be the starter this year either. And he's not even going to start for a team. He's better than Dak Prescott's in 2016. Wow. Let's look at another guy. See, now, now the next couple now the next couple aren't guys that aren't here. he is necessarily compared to skill level-wise. These are guys that he is paid very similar to. Again, Dak's numbers. I'll read them again just to refresh those who are just listening. 220 yards a game, 1.34 touchdowns per game, about a half interception a game. And a 93.2 pass rating, again, without Amari Cooper. Because that is the deck we are going to get moving forward. How about the next quarterback? 221 yards per game. Touchdowns are about 1.62. Interceptions about 0.7. And a pass rating of 99. Who might that be? Pro- probably someone that's viewed as better than Dak. You'd be incorrect. It's Ryan Tannehill. Most people view him as a lesser quarterback. I'm here to tell you you're wrong. Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback, as you see here. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. 
another guy that's paid very, very similar to Dak. Maybe not this year, but once Dak's number goes up next year, very similar. 267 yards a game. 1.85 touchdowns per game. 0.64, so it doesn't turn the ball over too much. Pass rating of 100.7. Shout out the radio station in Pittsburgh, by the way. <laughs> a 107 uh, star. Anyway, that's Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Wow. Kirk Cousins plays big boy football. Next next guy. This this one is really going to get to some people. 258 yards a game. 1.52 touchdowns per game. 0.76 INT, so you can turn the ball over a little bit more. 91.5 pass rating. Pretty similar to Dak. A, a tick and a half lower. That is Jared Goff up there in Detroit. Wow. Jared Goff. And I saved the best for last. I saved the best for last. It's better than Jared Goff. Again, since it's the last one, I will refresh you on Dak's numbers if you are just listening. 220 yards per game, 1.34 touchdowns, .56 interceptions per game, and a pass rating of 93.2 without Amari Cooper since 2016. That is what we're looking at because that's the Dak that we are going to get going forward without Amari Cooper. 221 yards a game. One yard better than Dak. Call it even. Touchdowns per game, 1.52. Better than Dak. Interceptions, 0.44. A little less than Dak, okay. And a pass rating of 93.9. Slightly better than Dak's. Who might that be? Hmm, Dak's viewed as an A-minus quarterback. This guy's viewed as... That's Gardner Minshew. That's Gardner Minshew since, since 2016. Well, he wasn't in the league then, but that is Gardner Minshew. On a per-game basis. Wow. Okay, so... And by the way, by the way, this is, look, this is, it's not, it's not an attack on Dak Prescott. No pun intended attack, Dak, or I guess rhyme intended there. It's not an attack on him. This is a reality. When you pay your quarterback top of the market, when he's not worth top of the market, this is what you're going to get. Right, this year's cap, his cap hits about $20 million. And they still couldn't afford their best receiver, two of their top three linemen, one of your top two pass rushers, you, you couldn't afford them, and his cap hit's only $20 million. Get this. Next year, $49 million. How about the year after that? $52 million. So you, you tell me where the team has the ability to get any better over the next couple of years. There's you, no money. You tell me. right? So now you're getting into a position where you are, and we're going to get to a little, bit, uh, a little bit about this with Tua next segment as well. But you're getting into the space now where you're paying your quarterback a lot, so you're, you're going to keep him on the roster, and he's good enough certainly to win you like eight, nine games a year, where it's, you're going to be drafting anywhere from 13 to 22 every year. You're not going to move off him because he's too good, but but you, you could upgrade if you want to take the next step. Okay. Kind of like Minnesota, right? Is Dallas's standards the same as Minnesota's standards? Absolutely not. Is America's team, should they be settling for a Dak Prescott level quarterback. No, that's the biggest brand in NFL football. I mean, look at it right here, right? I mean, he's a completely different quarterback. I mean, a prime example, we'll throw up we'll throw up the Matt Ryan numbers again right here. I mean, for those of you watching, I mean, Matt Ryan is throws for significantly more yards and this is I mean, Matt we're t- we're talking about Matt Ryan here. I look, I like Matt Ryan, but it's Matt Ryan. Right? He's not he's not Super dynamic, right? He'll get the ball to where it needs to go. His arm is average at best, not mobile at all. Gets more yards than him, more touchdowns, about the same amount of picks, and a higher passer rating. Like, that, that is the reality of Dak Prescott now. Amari Cooper's gone. Your line isn't as good. 
Wow. Right. What is Dak's best season when they went thirteen and three his rookie season? Well, that's because those that, that was Zeke's best season. That was the best offensive line he's ever had. Amari Cooper came in half through that season. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It is a, or I'm sorry, Des Bryant was actually his top receiver that season. His second best season was when Amari Cooper came through halfway, and he lit it up with him. Right. So, I. Just saying, I'm just, if you if Dallas if Dallas's standards are eight and nine, nine and eight every season, you host a playoff game three times every decade. That's fine. If that's your standard, then that's fine. Then Dak's your guy. But if you want to pay fifty two million dollars to a guy who is getting outplayed by Matt Ryan when he doesn't have his top receiver, and then you're not, and, and he's taking so much money that he can't even afford the, the team can't even afford to pay the top receiver. If that's what you want, if these are the numbers right here that you want per game, go for it. Go for it. Also, a little cautionary tale to, to Green Bay as well. Yeah, Green Bay. Yeah, yeah. Green Bay paying paying Aaron Rodgers all that money. Now Devonte Adams walked right out the They're door. They're kind of experiencing it too. And, 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 and you're going to see how this relates to Tua. Like I said in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about Tua, and I think they're going to have a bit of an issue with Tua. He might he might end up looking pretty good. Who knows? Um, you know how that how they're going to pay again? Maybe even Arizona as well. Kind of going through it right now, right? Arizona. Do we pay Kyler? How much do we pay him? Do we pay him early? He's got a little bit of an injury issue. Hey, who knows? Can he, can he carry if we if we lose, say, DeAndre Hopkins? Can he carry him? Um, I'm telling you, you don't, you don't want to be in what I call quarterback purgatory. I think right now Dallas is. A couple other teams are on the verge of it. We'll talk more next segment. Don't go anywhere. All right, all right. We are back. Second segment, the issue. Now Friday, when you're listening slash watching. Hopefully you're watching. I feel like it's better watching. It's fantastic watching. If you're listening, you know, and that's the only way you want to do it, by all means. We still appreciate it. But you're missing out. You're missing <laughs> I, out. I mean, like, for example, we just we referenced a bunch of graphics and stuff in the first segment. A bunch of stats, right? We did a little bit of a blind quarterback type thing. Yeah, we've done it, we've done it before, but, I mean, way being better. able to see it is worlds better. I'll take it's, it. It's significantly better. Um, weather outside, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, it's summer, um, so it's like 70, I think like 8 right now. It's warming up still. A um, little bit little bit overcast lately, a little bit rainy in the past couple yeah. days. You you live and you learn. Kind of breaks up a little bit of the humidity, so that that's not, not too bad. Uh, th- yeah, and I'm sorry if I sound a little stuffy. The allergies have been crushing me uh, these last like two, three days. So you kind of bear with me. My laptop right here, it says for the weather, it says um, pollination heavy. Yeah, um, that's true. My it's car was covered in it earlier today. What's yellow? Covered. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a car wash like, I don't know, two, three times already this year just to try to keep some of the pollen off of it, but, right. you know, we'll see. So, um, so in the first, I mean, I referenced the whole, kind of the, the term of quarterback purgatory, right? And I, 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 like trying to explain it. So basically, you're, you're too good of a team to get a really high draft pick to go get one of the top quarterbacks in each draft class, right? Like, like for example, the Jags are always up there, the Jets, you know. You're too good of a team, kind of like a Minnesota has been recently, like where you're not always in the top 10. You're drafting anywhere from 12 to 15 to 20 maybe. So you're, you're not good enough to get a top quarterback prospect, but you're not really good enough to to get to the next level, right? You're always on the border of a wild card, right? If you get into the play, you're always scrapping to get in the playoffs. And when you get in, no one really expects you to win a game, kind of like Dallas has been recently. Um, like Minnesota, like I said, has been. 
So we as a show have been pretty notorious for ripping Tua. Yeah. Today, actually, that's not it's not totally the case here. Like, I, I actually think Tua this season is going to look a lot better. Right, the addition of Tyreek Hill, a couple solid backs, improvements on the offensive line, the hiring of an offensive coach, all of that combining, I think it's going to allow Tua's numbers to improve. I really do. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much they're going to um, win in a, in a really tough AFC. Right, Not even just his division. I'm talking the entire AFC. Really tough conference. I'm not sure how much they're going to win, but I know Tua is going to look better and his stats are going to look better. Right, Mike McDaniel. Is another one of the um, disciples or branches, right, from the McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, like, tree, right, coming from those same kind of group of coaches, right? And in those cases of those other three getting the jobs, right, because they've been all higher within the last, like, five years, right? So when all those got the jobs, the quarterback under helm has seen about a 10 to 15% increase in their production, right? So that, roughly speaking, means that Tua is going to be at about 72% completion percentage. You'll see it here. 3,443 yards, 21 touchdowns, 9 picks, pass rating of 97. That's not too bad. But that's not too bad at all. That's similar to, like, we were th- we were throwing up the numbers earlier, that's similar to, like, a Matt Ryan yeah. or a Jimmy G, maybe. Two competent quarterbacks. Right, absolutely. And Jimmy Super Bowl, G actually both, played. Both have been to a Super Bowl. Both have been to a Super Bowl, right? And both actually played, well, not both, but, well, actually, yeah, both played under Shanahan. One played under Mike McDaniel. Right, so the dilemma that's going to come, not this offseason, but the offseason after, right, after this coming season, is going to be, do we pay Tua? Right, and I think it's very possible that they will. Right, so Miami's been waiting for its quote-unquote like savior since Dan Marino, right? They've just been looking for the next guy, and a lot of people do think it is Tua. Here's the issue with that. That I think no matter how good Tua ends up being, even if he maxes out his potential, I think maxed out potential Tua still on a week-to-week, game-to-game basis is not going to be better than Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson. That's just in the AFC. Right? I'm not even counting other AFC quarterbacks that I think are kind of close to the same level, like a Ryan Tannehill, right? like a Matt Ryan. And guys that haven't even proved it yet, like a Trevor Lawrence, who I think could end up being better within the next couple of years. If Zach Wilson hits, I think pure talent, Zach Wilson's got more pure talent. Now, granted, I don't think he will hit. I think two will end up being better than him. But I'm not even counting those people that have a chance to end up being better than him. So theoretically, now let's say they pay Tua. Now you are what I would call in quarterback purgatory. Where you're going to pay Tua, I don't know, let's say $32 million a year. Right now, that would put him as, like, the third highest cap hit. You know who's, like, number one? Tannehill. Where's Tennessee at? Quarterback purgatory. They're getting bounced in the first round, and they're drafting somewhere around 23, 24, right? So it's really hard to trade up and get the next guy. And yeah. You're kind of stuck with the, the, the guy you have because, well, you owe him $30 million, and if you cut him, the dead cap is going to be, like, 25, right? So you're like, I'm not going to go pay him $25 million for him to play on the other team, so you're kind of stuck with him. Yeah. Right, kind of like the Vikings have been, right? So go go ask go ask the Vikings how it's going. Right now, granted, they're relevant, and they're always winning about seven, eight, nine games a year. You, people will pay a lot of money for relevancy in the NFL. A lot of money, right? Kirk Cousins makes a lot of money. He's a 500 quarterback. He's 59, 59, and 2. You can make a lot of money being relevant. But also, on the flip side, why don't you go ask L.A. how it's, how it's working out when they got themselves out of quarterback purgatory with Jared Goff? Because that's exactly where they were with Goff. 
You take a B, B minus quarterback and pay him A minus money. And then you're stuck sitting there with like, the production's not there, yet we're very, very limited on cap space because we're paying him a lot of money. And they said, you know what? Screw it, we'll take the cap hit. We will pay you to go play in Detroit. Get me a better quarterback, though. Super Bowl, that year, that same exact year. Go ask Dallas how it's going in quarterback purgatory. Can't even keep their top receiver, two of their top three linemen, and their second best pass rusher. Your second best, not even your best. You couldn't keep your second best pass rusher. So that's fine. If you want to if you want to pay two after the season, that's fine. You will be relevant and you'll come in second or third. Because I think overall for the span of his career, he'll be really, really close with Mac Jones skill wise. So you'll always have a chance to come second in the division. You'll always have a chance at the six or seven seed in the AFC playoffs. If that's what you want in a big international city like Miami, sure. If that's if that's what keeps you relevant, then go for it. That's a big city, though, right? That, that has the Miami Heat who win championships, right? Tampa Bay is just down the road with Tom Brady. They're winning championships. The Tampa, well, I guess one championship, but... The Tampa Bay Lightning are moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Tampa Bay Lightning are going for, what, a three-peat now? Yep. you got to be relevant in the state of Florida, especially in Miami. That is an international hub that's very, very similar to an L.A. or a New York. If you're not good or if you're mediocre, you will fall into the ether of that city. Oh, yeah, and it's so growing, go, too. Yeah, so go, growing. so go ahead. Go win nine games a year with Tua. Go for it, right? I mean, but also, remember when Brian Flores goes, we should probably go go get Deshaun Watson? Yeah. Or you don't think when Deshaun comes back, he would be, he would make a, that, if that team had Deshaun Watson today, they're automatically a top four team in the AFC. Oh, yeah. And that's a compliment because the AFC is so strong. I'd put them above the Raiders today. Right, so, uh, well, I like teams, their defense way better than the Raiders. Oh, way better. So so theoretically, if they had Deshaun Watson because that's what Flores wanted, and they were very close to pulling the trigger, but of course the front office in Miami nixed it just like they nixed, oh, I don't know, Nick Saban wanting Drew Brees. How'd that work out? Right, so you so you nix getting Deshaun Watson. Theoretically, if they have Watson today, just to, just to, let's play a little game here, a little discussion. They have Deshaun right now, and Deshaun is suspended for eight games. Are they better than? Let's see who who are who aren't they better than? I don't think they're better than Buffalo. No, I'm not sure they're better than. They're not better than, than Denver. They're not better than Denver. And I and, and I think they're somewhere in the category of Kansas City because now they lose Tyreek Hill. They're somewhere in the category of Kansas City, L.A., Vegas, and Cincinnati. I, I, I think that's, that's somewhere. I think the top tier in the AFC is Buffalo and Denver. Yeah. I think those are the two best teams in the AFC. And then I think the next tier down, you're looking at Cincinnati, who, if they get hot just like they did last year, they can go on a run. Maybe a Baltimore, maybe a Tennessee around that level. Mm. A, a little bit better, maybe. Maybe not Tennessee. Yeah, I think a little bit. I think they're a step up from them in that second category. Right, but just around there, those are some of the teams that would be neighbors with them, right, maybe so I, a little lower. I think they would be anywhere between the third and sixth best team in the AFC. Yeah, if you put Deshaun on that roster, yes. Right now, I think they're anywhere from the 8th to the 10th best team in the AFC. And that's I think, being I think they need to too. play 17 perfect games just to be able to win 10 of them and get to the playoffs. Well, that's putting a lot of stress on the defense. Because yep. then they're going to be... It, I mean, let's be honest. Is, does Tua show flashes of being able to push the ball downfield like regularly? Maybe and, once a game he'll make a throw where you're like, yep, that's a really, really high-level throw. I mean... Josh Allen makes like nine a game. I haven't seen him, and I've seen Josh Allen make, yeah, like nine throws a game where it's it's got distance on it. It's a big, big throw, and that thing is pinpoint accurate as well. I have yet to see that out of Tua. 
I mean, look, look, like I said, I'll just read you the quarterbacks alone in the AFC again that he's not going to be better than. Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, Ross, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That, that at best, at best, puts him as the ninth best quarterback. And like I said, I'm not even counting a Matt Ryan or a Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of fitting that we are talking about Tua and quarterbacks because it is about time that we get into our um, you know, predictions for when each of these rookie quarterbacks will make their start. We'll go Kenny Pickett with the Steelers. Um, so I, we, I've been saying this. Um, I think we've been on the same page with this. He should start week one. Um, and, and we're going to predict that. I think the Steelers are going to make the right decision. And I, I do think that even if there is a, a fair and square quarterback battle, I think he is probably the best quarterback in the room. Now, it's going to be close between him and Mitch. I don't think Mason Rudolph's even an option. Um, I think he will end up being kind of close between him and Mitch Trubisky. They're both very similar quarterbacks. I, I, think, so. I think I said at one point that uh, Kenny Pickett is Mitch Trubisky's cousin. Right there, They play very similar styles of football. Yeah, you did say that. I do think Kenny's got a little bit more of an it factor. Right, I think he's got a little bit more of a – first of all, I think he's more mobile. Reminds me a little bit of Daniel Jones. Is he super mobile? No, but straight line speed, can he get away from you? Absolutely. Yeah. And I do think with the production that he showed his senior year at Pitt, like he, he has a little more of an it factor, right? Even when Trubisky was, quote-unquote, a standout at, at uh, North Carolina, he never had that one season where he like set himself apart statistically. So then Kenny does like have that it factor. World's better than a lot of his competition. I mean, Kenny Pickett did go on a tear there in his senior season. It was nuts. Right. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. So I think he's got that little more of an it factor. So I think he'll start week one at Cincinnati for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. And I think that's what you have to do too. I agree. If he's twenty five starting a first his first game, like next season, I just don't think you gain a whole lot from that. No. We'll go in the order that they were drafted. So we'll go Desmond Ritter next. He was a second quarterback off the board to Atlanta. Now, I will say, so we'll start off. He's going to start week eight against Carolina. Now, here, here's kind of why. right? So I don't think he starts early because they have the Saints who, they won't be a great football team, but they will have a good defense. Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, they just got a defensive head coach, Marcus Allen. Or not Marcus Allen. I forget. It's, it's something similar to that. Sorry. But so Saints, then and then they get the Rams. You go to L.A. of the Rams week two. And then you go to Seattle, who I don't think Seattle's a good football team either. But again, Pete Carroll, defensive head coach. They've made some improvements on the defensive side of the football. Seattle. And then you go to Cleveland. Or no, you get Cleveland at home. Then you go to Tampa Bay. And then San Fran at home. To Cincinnati. And then finally you get kind of an easy game here. So first of all, I think that whole that, that first seven weeks, that's going to be a rough stretch. I don't think Mariota's going to look good. I think there's a very real possibility the Falcons go 0-7 in the first seven. Right, the pressure's going to be mounting. They're going to want to see Desmond Ritter, right? And you have to check out what you have. And so then you get Carolina at home in Week Eight. It's not a primetime game; it's a one o'clock game. Not a whole lot of pressure at home against Carolina. Start him there. He'll have a bit of a rough game Week Nine against LA, but then he gets Carolina again in Week Ten. Then Chicago, then Washington. So that's the easiest stretch of the schedule right there. Those are the most winnable football games in there, right? They should beat Chicago if they, if if Ritter plays well. And, and you have a chance, you at least have a chance to beat Carolina both times. The I thing, think that's the easiest spot of the schedule because then it gets into Pittsburgh, New Orleans again, Baltimore, no, Arizona, no, 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 Tampa. No, 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 no. Right? I don't he want him in there. He can't start there. But you, he does get Carolina twice. The one thing that I worry about in that little stretch is Washington because I feel like Washington is the team that, that can beat him up a little bit. They have an insane front four. That pass rush is going to be crazy. 
But I think that's one of the games he's not going to have to worry about winning a shootout because I don't think Washington's offense is going to put up that many points. Now, watch your back with Chase Young, though. That's going to be the thing. As a rookie quarterback coming from Cincinnati, look, great, man. Hope you can play. I really hope he can play. I like him a lot. But you have Chase Young coming off that uh, that edge for Washington. That's one of the games that I would watch out if he does start Week 8 against Carolina. Right, because I do think – and I'm not saying he – takes over week eight and finishes the season. I'm thinking he goes week eight through maybe week 11. And then honestly, I, I hate to predict an injury. I wouldn't be surprised though if he gets hurt or banged up a little bit or confidence dinged against Washington. And then you're probably not going to want to run him out there against Pittsburgh in week 13, the yeah. week after. So I think he could just have a little stretch of like four games where he starts, right? Give him a little experience see to see what you can. have. Yeah, just a little trial run, a little test run, see right. what happens. And then after Pittsburgh, even if he does start for the Pittsburgh game, then another, then you get a buy. Hey, and if he you get shows a buy, out, evaluate. if he shows out and he's looking really good, why not roll him out there against Pittsburgh? I mean, he probably... Right, you know. right, and like I said, there's a there's a bye week right after Pittsburgh. And then from there, you can regroup, right? I think that's probably the best spot to put him in, um, and I think there is going to be mounting pressure for him to play. Yeah. Now, granted, everyone in in Atlanta kind of knows it's a little bit of a rebuild, um, but those people want want to win, right? They, they have to put a winning product on the field. And I think it's going to be a rough stretch for Mario to early. Me, it's and Atlanta; they want to win. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go with Malik Willis. I think he starts Week 18 at Jacksonville. I think it's going to be his only start of the year. Because I do think that the Titans are going to be in this thing until late, right? So they, they start with New York, the Giants. That's a win. Um, and then they have a little bit of a rough stretch with Buffalo, Vegas, Indy. That's going to be rough. But then you get the Commanders, Indy at home, and then the Texans. Um, again, another rough stretch. You get the Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals. But then you get the Eagles, Jags, Texans, Cowboys, and then the Jags to finish it off, yeah. right? I think they're going to be in it until late. I think they probably lose to the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football Week 17 to kind of put them out of the playoffs because I don't think they're a playoff team right now. I think when you lose A.J. Brown, you're you're too Tannehill and Derrick Henry dependent. So I think they're going to be in it up until Week 16 or 17. They're going to be mathematically eliminated in, say, Week 17 against Dallas. And then you have at Jacksonville Week 18. You're already out of the playoffs. Why not let Malik get a start? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even if you're even if you're optimistic about this team, they've already clinched the playoffs by week 18. I think either way, week 18 is not a meaningful football game. I think they've either clinched or they're they've been mathematically eliminated. It's yeah. at Jacksonville, pretty low pressure, right? It's probably going to be like a one o'clock game, low pressure. I mean, it's Jacksonville. They're going to be eliminated too. It's going to be a very not mellow game. It's the NFL still, but. The temperature in the room is going to be brought gonna be, down a little bit. It's not going to be battling it out for the last spot of a, a playoff. Right. The temperature in the room is going to be down a little bit. It's a great spot to insert a rookie. Let him get that one under his belt, and then it's it that experience is fresh heading into the offseason. He can work his way through the offseason. He knows what he needs to improve at least a little bit. Like He gets a, right. a temperature gauge of himself and knows what he has to do. Right. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to only start because he's a very raw prospect. I don't think he's got a guy that's going to come in and start six, seven, eight games no. and be a difference maker. I think he's way too raw if he starts. I think he's more close to like Trey Lance. Maybe starts one or two games. Yep. Um, kind of see what you got a little bit. Let him progress um, a little bit more, a little bit slower than some of the other quarterbacks. I agree. All right, and finally, Matt Corral, I think, will be the last rookie quarterback to get a start. And I think that will come in uh, week 14 at Seattle. So, first of all, Seattle's not a very good football team. Now, granted, they have a good defense, but... Not a very good football team, so just that game alone, very winnable football game. He won't probably start earlier, right, because 
Sam Darnold's fine. Um, he's okay. Plus, there's no real good spot in the in the schedule for him to start. What's so, their strength of schedule? I'm not 100 percent sure what the strength of schedule is, but I can tell you right here. So they they open up with Cleveland, and then they go to the Giants. So you're probably one and one, right? You lose to the Saints, one and two. Then you have the Cardinals, the Niners, the Rams, Oof. and the Buccaneers. So you're not going to insert them there. No. Now here's an interesting spot. Maybe Week Eight because it goes Falcons, Bengals, Falcons. It's an idea, but I don't think it'll happen. I think the Bengals in there kind of throws it off a little bit. Right, and then it's the Ravens, Broncos, bye. Coming out of the bye, then you have Seattle. And then who's after Seattle? Pittsburgh, so that's not great, but then you get the Lions the week after. Okay. And then you go to Tampa, not ideal, but then you get the Saints week 18. By then you're playing, it's not meaningful football anyway. There's not really a great time to put them in. But I I would say Seattle would probably... Yeah, Seattle post by because you, you got a little more rest. You can game plan them a little bit more because you have an extra week. Also, here's my thing. I like Sam Darnold, but let's not be surprised if he goes in this stretch right here, right, where it's L.A., Tampa, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Baltimore, Denver. So seven games leading up to the bye. Even with two Atlanta games in there, would you be surprised if Darnold goes 0-7 and looks horrific? No. Then you get to a bye. People are going to be begging for you to put make some sort of switch at quarterback. At 0 and seven, the- Darnold looks terrible. You finally have a bye. You have time to regroup. You open up with a team that Seattle by week fourteen, they're probably like three and three and nine, three and ten, right? In Something shambles. like that. Their defense they can't generate a pass rush. They can't get anything going. Right. They're probably not a good football team by then. You don't have to win a shootout Drew Locke on the other side. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good spot for Matt Corral to go into. Yeah, it's a good spot. It's a 425 game. It's nothing prime time. I think it's a good spot for him to go into. Mm-hmm. Well, at least the best spot. I, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so those are our predictions of when these uh, these rookie quarterbacks will pick it in the first round of Pittsburgh. Desmond Ritter in the second to Atlanta. Malik Willis in the third um, to the Titans. And then Matt Corral finally to the Panthers. Um, we're predicting, you know, yeah. predicted all of them to make their first Starts in the NFL. We got Guys. Pickett at week one, yep. Ridder at week eight, Willis at week 18, and Corral at week 14. Guys. Enjoy the graphics. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the graphics. Don't go anywhere. We got Up Down Sideways, one of our favorite games coming up here in the third segment. Um, so, yeah, again, don't go anywhere. What's up? We are back. It is the third segment here on a Friday. Um, we got a great game. One of our favorite segments, up, down, sideways, to play uh, here in this segment. We are going to give seven. Well, we have seven or eight, eight Let's teams. See. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven, seven teams. So we got seven teams. We're going to talk about which way they're trending. Are they trending up, down, or are they just kind of plateauing on a little sideways uh, slide? There. So now this is this is post schedule release. So I'm right. like, for example, we have the Broncos on here. I'm not including the fact. Like, I'm not including the acquisition of Russell Wilson in this. This is just looking at their schedule. Did the schedule hurt them, right? Would they would they be trending down from their schedule release? Did it didn't really didn't really affect them? They'd be trending sideways in their in the schedule regard. Or are they trending up, right? They kind of got an easy schedule, got a couple breaks depending on how their team is constructed, so on and so forth. So this is just you know, through the lens of the schedule release. Just want to yes. make that clear. Um, and that is all we have for the third segment. Once we once we finish that up, we will be wrapping up the show. Um, a lot of content to come next week. We'll mention that briefly here at the end once we finish everything. Um, but first, let's go with up, down, sideways. 
All right, so we'll start with the Steelers. <clears throat> Let's go with sideways. I think the quality of teams that they play during their schedule is really, really solid. But I think Mike Tomlin is going to be the better slash or and or more experienced coach in about 13 of the 17 games. Yeah. And we know that he can outcoach and, and really coach this team to some wins. Right, he he doesn't need a stud quarterback. We had Devlin Hodges, and we somehow got to I think 500 that season. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tomlin can coach these guys to some victories, and he's going to be the better coach, I think, personally, in about 13 of 17 games, indisputably in about 11 of them. Yeah. Um, and then I have a couple hot takes for the other two, but I think he's going to be the better, if not more, experienced coach in 13 of 17 games. So if you outweigh the fact that their schedule is a little tough on just quality teams they play, but Tomlin. And the and the coaching experience, plus you add um, Brian Flores that staff. Um, I think it's I think it's a sideways for the Steelers. Let's go with the Ravens. Um, I'm going to go with up. I think they they play six of the bottom seven teams in my opinion. I think Jacksonville, the Jets, the Giants, um, Carolina, Atlanta, and I think you could make an argument for New Orleans is going to be down there as well. Oh, yeah. I do look, like what they've done with the receivers, and I don't mind Jameis Winston. Um, but the line is going to be hit or miss. Alvin Kamara can sometimes, you know, be a little injury prone. Their defense has lost some pieces. Now they do have a pass rush and a good corner. So we'll see. I think I think New Orleans is a team where they could either get maybe ten wins, or you could look up and they could have four. Yeah. Right. Um, so I personally think it'll be closer to four. So I have them as one of the bottom like seven, eight teams. So I think the Ravens having playing six of the bottom seven, eight teams, give, it, it looks pretty good for them. It does. Let's go with uh, Seattle. I don't think this is going to be a surprise to anybody, um, but I think it's down, right? So week nine on this their schedule right here. So they go at, uh, Arizona, Tampa Bay, by Vegas, the Rams, Carolina, which will be okay, Niners, Chiefs, Jets will be winnable, and then they finish with the Rams. I think maybe you might be able to beat the Jets, and you might be able to beat Carolina. I don't think there's another win in the last, I think that's the last like 10 games right there. Last nine or ten games, so I, I, I think that's a rough stretch to end the season. Even if they had a chance with a good first half of the season, even if they had a left the door open a little bit, I think the last you know and, eight eight nine weeks are really going to slam the door shut on their season. And the Seahawks have been trending down all year. Um, oh, right. I mean all off season really. Right. I, like there hasn't really been a win for them yet. Like. You go, through, you, you go through the other teams, like we said, the Broncos, perfect example. We're not factoring in the like the fact that they got Russell Wilson, but at one point they were trending up and up and up when they got Russell Wilson. This is a team that hasn't trended up. If we didn't up down sideways on these teams throughout Since the offseason. for the last like calendar year, I think they'd be they'd be a hard down. Exactly. Uh, they don't really have anything going in their direction, and a really tough schedule is <laughs> not going to help it's, them. It's not helping at all. No. Oh, let's go with the Broncos, speaking of. I, I, I think sideways right now. So I think they, they finish up with six really brutal games, like against all playoff caliber teams. Um, let's see, do I have it? I don't even have it pulled up. But I, I know that the last six are all like, you know, it's like Arizona, the Rams. I think the Niners are in there. Um, I even think there might, there might be a Tampa Bay somewhere in there. So they have a lot of really tough games at the, uh, at the end of their schedule. So that's tough. But middle of the season they have a bye so they have a really nice bye and they have easy games sprinkled in around the bye they have like the Jets Jags and Panthers all in the heart of the season so you know when it's kind of you're starting to incur some injuries it's week 10 guys are tired you can have you have three games where you're like we'll go in knowing that we have at all 22 positions pretty much all 22 the better player 
Um, so that's that's helpful midseason. So I, I think those two things kind of cancel out. And also, you, they start with two easy wins against Seattle and Houston. So we'll go with a sideways for Denver. I think all in all, kind of, you know, evens out, balances yeah. out to a sideways. All right, the Chargers. I'll probably go up. Um, and I think if this is the Justin Herbert effect. Um, I think they're going to have the better quarterback in 12 to 13 of 17 games. Quite simply, I, I, I just think it comes down to that. I think outside of the two games against Mahomes, which that's a coin flip depending on the game, Herbert and Mahomes. I mean, we I, watched I could it seriously last argue year. Herbert. We watched it last year. I mean, those two had shootouts against each other. I could even argue Herbert, which would take him to 14 or 15 of 17 games where he'd be the better quarterback, yeah, right? I, I mean, you can't deny it. Jay Herb is special. Right, and so I, I, I think at the end of the day, if you go look at the past couple years, statistically speaking, like percentage-wise, it, it's seventy plus percent of the games are won by the better quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, yeah, having the better quarterback in almost all of your games for it the helps. Chargers, it's going to be helpful. Oh, yeah, it's going to be helps. very helpful. All right, how about for the Packers? We'll go with down. Now again, they would have the better quarterback, but I think they are at such a significant weapons disadvantage in fifteen of seventeen games, and they have a super late bye week. The only two games that I think that they'll go in with better weapons is against Chicago and you could convince me Chicago has better weapons. I would at least hear the argument. It's not outrageous. It's not outrageous. I mean, they did lose a lot. I mean, who's their number one right now? Lazard. Lazard? is. I think they signed, what, Sammy Watkins? He might be their number oh, one. Lazard's a two or a three. Probably a three. I don't think Sammy Watkins either a low-end two or like a mid-tier three. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, maybe he's in like his seventh, eighth year now. He might have lost a step, right? I think he's probably a three. So I think you have a bunch of threes and a bunch of fours. Yeah. I think, like you said, at best, maybe Lazard shows up to to maybe be a low end two. That's it. Right? They don't have a dog. They don't have an alpha. Christian Watson's a rookie. We'll see if he ends up being that number one. They need a number one. If he is, then, I mean, they'll be okay. Still not good. Kind of in quarterback purgatory a little bit there, right? I mean, A little bit. A little bit. Now, now granted, I will say that. Aaron with the right pieces is good enough to propel, you know, propel him to the next level. Yeah. Um, but again, paying a quarterback that much is really hard to surround him. Absolutely. They're going to go eight and nine this year and have somewhere like a mid-level draft pick. They're not bad enough to get a top quarterback and move off Aaron. They're not good enough to actually be at the next level and be comfortable. So yeah, you're right. They're kind of in the middle there. I'll go it down for the Packers. All right. Last one here. Let's go Tampa Bay. Um, I'm going to go with up. First of all, the first eight weeks of the season, I don't think they play a surefire playoff team. Like, I don't think they, they play a team where you're like, oh, they're in the playoffs, right? I'm talking the Rams, the Bills, um, the Broncos, probably the Bengals. Like, those are all the surefire playoff teams. Like, they, they play four that are going to be on the border, like a Green Bay, right? Green Bay, no weapons, but with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, you have a fighting chance to make a wild card in the weaker NFC. Yeah. Green Bay is on the border. Kansas City, in that division, would it shock you if they're like... Eight and nine at the end of this year. Now I love Kansas City, but look at that division. It's brutal. And they've it's lost. Brutal. They've lost. And they've lost. Pieces. They lost Tyreek Hill. Um, they lost Tyron Matthew in the secondary. Right. So there are some pieces there that they've lost. And then Baltimore. They're going to be on the border, right? Yeah. If they can stay healthy, if Lamar can prove that he can throw a little bit better, and Pittsburgh, they'll be on the border as well. So they in the first eight weeks they only play four teams that are going to be on the border of the playoffs. Nobody that's a surefire one. And the last two weeks of the season they'll finish with Carolina and Atlanta. Mm. So those are the two wins to end the season. So if you're even close, like you're on the border, maybe even on the border of getting into the playoffs or on the border of clinching a number one, number two seed, they're most likely going to get it because they're going to finish off with two 
pretty resounding victories, and, I have a feeling. And let's be honest, you have the Brady effect on your side. When you got the Brady effect on your side, everything's looking up. Right, I, agree. I mean, I mean, actually, I do have the Bucks schedule pulled up, so this is perfect, right? So here's the teams they played. So they played Dallas week one. I don't think Dallas is a playoff team. I don't think it's close. I think they're a 7-10 uh, football team. I don't think it's close. I don't think they're a playoff team. They'll play the Saints. They're not a playoff team. Um, like I said, Packers on the border, Chiefs on the border. They'll play the Falcons. They're not a playoff team. Steelers on the border, Panthers. They're not a playoff team. And then finally, the Ravens on the border, mm. right? And then they'll get they'll get a tough one against the Rams. They'll get a tough one against no, not tough one. They'll get an easy one against Seattle. Then bye, a really good bye week eleven, kind of mid season, and then you'll finish with Cleveland, New Orleans, San Fran, Cincinnati, and Arizona. Kind of a rough stretch, but then you'll get Carolina and Atlanta to end it. I think Tampa Bay. You'll look up probably twelve and five feels right to me. Yeah. Um, especially with those last two really nice wins, you could even get to thirteen and four probably. Yeah. So to sum up, we have the Steelers trending sideways, Ravens trending up, Seahawks down, Broncos going sideways, Chargers up, Packers down, Tampa up, and that finishes up up down sideways, up down sideways. Uh, guys, stay tuned. So, so we're gonna start having some divisional predictions within the next like month. Uh, July fifteenth is the absolute is the latest absolute start latest. date. We'll probably start it a week or two before. So you're looking end of June. We're looking about a month here, about a month out from divisional predictions. from divisional predictions. That's so exciting. Um, it is exciting because that's one of the one of the major things for our off season, right? Because we're mostly a football show, right? Because I've always said it. First of all, it's the best sports league. It's got the most urgency. It's the best product on television. Yeah. There's only 17 games, so it's relatively easy to cover, right? There's 17 weeks, like, well, 18 weeks, 17 games per team, right? I don't have to follow an 82-game schedule as the Lakers bounce around and play Milwaukee on a Wednesday. Yeah. Right? That's brutal. Yeah, I just can't follow it. I have no interest in following it. And, look, that, that is what sets the NFL apart. Urgency. Every single game matters. I just don't feel like midweek series in the in the MLB matter. Um you know, NBA, same thing. NHL is the same problem. Like, there's yeah. just not enough urgency. So that, in case you're wondering, that's why we do mostly NFL. Plus, it's it's mostly what you guys care about. It, it's right. what it's it's the it, most consumed sport. And in, in, probably eh, soccer might be in the world, but definitely in this country, yeah, it's it football. Is. And our and our audience is generally within the within the United States. We do have a couple out of country listeners, but generally all in the U.S. Shout out to the I think what we have like a Switzerland. Yeah, they must love football there, too, because, I mean, we're not talking soccer, so they're obviously here for football. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we don't talk soccer at all. No. I don't think we've ever brought it up once. This is probably the first time. Episode 137, if anybody was keeping count of how long it took us to get to soccer. Um, Maybe we'll mention it again at, like, 200-something. Yeah, Um, it might pop up again. I can't see it it popping up any other time soon. Uh, Other than that, guys, thank you uh, for listening. That's all we got for this episode. So go follow on Instagram at the underscore issue podcast. Then Twitter at the issue podcast. Um, YouTube is, you know, just look up the issue podcast. Go search it. It'll pop up. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally anything you could find is definitely going to be on our link tree yes. or on our website, which is in the link tree. And in the description of either this YouTube video, this Spotify episode, this Apple, Apple podcast, podcast, everything. Anchor. It's all, all, all the links are in the description of the episode. So if you're listening to this, you can find the links. Go check everything out. Guys, we appreciate you listening. We have a absolutely stacked week next week. You will see why. Um, so stay tuned. Follow all the socials. You'll see what's coming. That was the issue.